Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm, servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of death, Neil Garfield. Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, June 18th, 2020, broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. We're in the eye of a storm, of the storm, of COVID and economic collapse. The information that's being traded out there in cyberspace contains conflicting messages, one of which is false. There is no such thing as fake news. There is news and there are fake stories. One of them, news, reports facts, and the other, fake stories, spin fantasy. In this case, the fantasy is leading people off of a cliff. So don't talk to me about fake news. It's an oxymoron. It's not news. And to pandemic deniers, climate deniers, and recession deniers, I have only to say that this is not a political matter. Facts are facts. And we are headed for catastrophe mostly because we're failing to do anything about the coming wave of illness, recession, and foreclosures. So you need to be prepared because we're now beyond the point where anyone can stop it. We're in a crisis. It's not behind us. And it will get very much worse over the next three to six months with plenty of signs showing that over the next three weeks, I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking about the economy and foreclosures especially. People have short memories. So let's jog their memories. In a hurricane, the eye of the storm seems like the weather is fine because one wall of the storm passed over. And for the people with short memories, They think the storm's over. It's only the people who take the longer view that realize that they're just in the eye of the storm and the other wall is going to pass over soon. That's what we're talking about with the pandemic. That's what we're talking about with the recession. That's what we're talking about with foreclosures. I have been correct, right, on every point since 2006. Back then, I correctly predicted the collapse. I correctly predicted the foreclosure tidal wave of 2008 through 2011. I correctly stated the ways to beat those foreclosures. I won foreclosure cases, both as lead attorney and as attorney as, as consultant to other attorneys. And now I'm predicting a new tidal wave of foreclosures based on data. 
Wall Street loves foreclosures, but nobody else does. Stop with the naysaying and look up the data yourself on me, the recession, the pandemic, and in particular, delinquencies in homeowner transactions. The investment banks like to call them mortgage loans. I have a different view. But in any event, you will see that delinquencies in homeowner transactions are spiking and soon they'll be spiraling. So tonight, we're talking about how to prepare for the new wave of foreclosures. Even homeowners who think they are current on their payments or who own their homes outright might want to listen to this because foreclosures depress property values. They decrease tax revenue and cause mayhem in housing, crime, and hardship. You know what happens when tax revenue is decreased. They raise taxes on the rest of the people. We can pretend that we are over COVID and that economic problems are behind us, but it just isn't true. We have a huge new wave of corona cases that's happening right now and coming on top of the existing one, which is projected to cause at least 200 deaths by October 1st. That 200,000 deaths. That will force shutdowns even though nobody wants it. That means more unemployment. The current ridiculous behavior of the stock market will turn very dark as we head into unknown territory. Corporate earnings decreasing, some entire industries vanishing, and huge losses from new board investors who decided to go into the stock market as a replacement for their gambling habits. So for those of you who prefer to be human and not pretend to be ostriches with your head buried in the sand, I suggest you listen up. You can't have 40 million people so far file for unemployment and not have deep, long-lasting consequences, particularly as it relates to new foreclosure attempts by investment banks who have no right to do it and who don't show up as the claimant or the claimant plaintiff. Your future and the future of your loved ones may depend upon it. I'm not infallible, but I have been right about everything related to mortgages and foreclosures since I first examined it in 2006, except for one thing. I thought by exposing the use of false fabricated documents, the foreclosures would stop and that the parties would be forced to come to the table to share the risks of this Ponzi scheme. But the pot of money was too big and everybody had their hands in it. I failed to appreciate that and ended up with a business instead of a public service hobby. We now have an announcement, I think it was today, by the FHA saying that they're extending the moratorium until August 31st. So, that gives you about two and a half months from now, but that doesn't mean that's when your payments begin. Unless you have asked for and received an agreement of forbearance, you still owe the money. 
And on September 1st, the day after the moratorium ends, unless it's extended again, which it might be, on September 1st, they're going to demand all those payments. And when you don't make them, they're going to foreclose. The moratorium only delays the inevitable. It does not forgive payments. It does not say you don't have to make them. It only says that the banks cannot, through their intermediaries, they cannot enforce the debt, the note, or the mortgage, or the deed of trust. The banks will foreclose if they're allowed to do so. The proceeds are pure profit for the banks. And make no mistake about it, it's all Wall Street banks that are acting here. You may only see a subservicer. You may only see a party who pretends to be a trustee of a trust that may or may not exist, but which in any event does not and never will uh, and never did own your debt, note, or mortgage. There's no order that forgives missed payments. So when you hear the word moratorium, do not think that you have been forgiven or that payments during this time are just going to be tacked on to the back end or that they're eliminated or anything like that. The reason that they're giving missed payments is that there would be a government bailout of homeowners for those missed payments that might be months or years. And the reason they don't have such an order is that there would first need to be an administrative finding of fact that the debts are owed and where those findings of fact include identification of the creditors. If they could do that, the banks and investors would be delighted to see a bailout of homeowners for a few months or even a year because they would be getting the money. But they can't do that because the initial sale to investors was not a sale of any homeowner transaction or debt. Securitization of the residential debt never happened. I know what it looks like, and for the uninitiated, I know what this sounds like. Look it up yourself. Look at these prospectuses. Look at the indentures for the certificates that were sold. You'll see. No debt, no note, no mortgage, no cash flow from any homeowner was ever purchased by any investor. Moratoriums do not forgive payments or even delay the legal requirements to make payments. Moratoriums only delay the foreclosure or the lawsuit to collect. It's pretty much the same thing, and I've mentioned this before in other uh, shows, and articles. It's pretty much the same thing as when homeowners call up the servicer and they say, oh, you got to be 90 days behind in order to ask for a modification. So the homeowner stops making payments for 90 days 
And on the 91st day, they asked for the modification. But guess what? They're in default now. The moratorium does that legally. What the services do is they only make that statement over the phone, and then it's nearly impossible to get the uh, recording of that conversation. While I'm on the subject, most of you are aware I'm pushing a new strategy, reformation. An example of reformation of contract is something the banks are calling a modification. A real modification is when the original mortgage lender or its successors agrees to new terms. But there is no creditor who could agree to that because there's no creditor who is holding the homeowner's debt on its books as an asset. So they can't agree to anything, and neither can anyone who purportedly represents whoever, because there is nobody who's holding the debt on their books as an asset. And the reason they're not holding the books on the, uh, holding the debt on their books as an asset is because nobody wants to be called a lender, because the lender would be subject to liability for violation of lending, servicing laws, RESPA, FDCPA, you name it. So what the banks are calling modifications are actually entirely new contracts. That's why I'm saying it's an example of reformation in which the homeowner accepts an unrelated company as the designee creditor, usually a servicing company. So they're saying, so the, the homeowner is now saying, okay, Aquin, or whatever the servicer is, I'm, I'm agreeing that I'm going to treat you as though you are the creditor. Even though the servicer doesn't own the debt, and doesn't represent anyone who does own the debt by reason of having paid for it as required under Article 9, Section 203 of the Uniform Commercial Code, which is adopted in all U.S. jurisdictions. Second, the homeowner is acknowledging a default in payment to someone he never owed money to. Third, and most importantly, the homeowner is releasing claims. What claims? What about these? Wrongful foreclosure, lending violations, servicing violations, FDCPA violations, RICO, RESPA, and most of all, quantum merit and quasi-contract. That means the entitlement that the homeowner may have had before in the big pot of money that was generated by the securitization Ponzi scheme that could only have been created when the homeowner issued the note and mortgage. In quantum merit, that's a legal doctrine. In quasi-contract, another legal doctrine, the, the homeowner could at least plead a case that they, are, they were drafted into the securitization contract without any knowledge or consent, and as a result of that, the parties on the other side all made a ton of money, which I've estimated 
at around $12 for every dollar given to the homeowner. But in truth and in reality, the only right decision is the one you make. So sometimes it's better to let the bad guy win and walk away. It might be better for you. That's a personal decision. And you need to make that personal decision. You could also ask for a modification anyway and see what you get. I encourage litigation because I want to see the Wall Street banks stop dead in their tracks until they share the pie with homeowners and investors. Every time a homeowner wins, it helps hundreds of other homeowners in litigation and settlement of their cases. So here's what I want you to do before you make any decision at all. First, prepare. Second, use administrative procedures. Third, use court procedures. But stop pretending you can do it on your own. Most laymen think that merely filing papers is enough. It isn't, and it never will be. And start with the fact that most homeowners are ill-prepared to confront the companies who are hounding them for payment. And end with the fact that most laymen don't have any idea of what the pleading should contain. They don't know what the pleading requirements are, and they don't know how to defend an attack on the pleadings. So they neither know how to object to the other side's paperwork nor how to file their own. So how do you prepare? You start with a title search with copies of all relevant recorded documents. I use a service, ProTitleUSA.com. They have a relevant search that they call a foreclosure search. I like their work, and if there's ever something missing, they correct it almost instantly. But the recorded documents are not enough, so we get on to the second thing. Someone with real knowledge and expertise needs to see the correspondence, notices, and demands and statements sent to you. You should keep a record of whether you received it by the U.S. Postal Service or by private service like UPS and FedEx. There are certain presumptions that apply if they use the U.S. Postal Service, but they could also be liable for mail fraud. The reviewer must get a history from you, like a doctor gets a history from a patient, because very often, some key elements of the defense are revealed without the homeowner knowing or understanding it. The problem that most lawyers and, frankly, most forensic analysts have is that people get on the Internet and they think they understand what the real issues are, and they don't. And they think this means that, and it doesn't. Like, for example, a forged notary does not obliterate the document. It doesn't make the document null and void. It may raise questions as to whether or not the document could have been recorded, and there are certain other things you can raise by then, but the mortgage is still good. The deed is still good. So... Start Next, start the administrative process with a qualified written request and that validation letter. 
don't treat this as legal discovery in court. There are specific requirements in the statute that you must comply with, or they can say this is not a qualified written request or debt validation letter. And they may give you no answer, or they may give you a partial answer. But I will tell you this, that when you escalate later and file complaints with the Consumer Financial Protection Board and the State Attorney General Consumer Division, they will give different answers than what they have previously sent to you in correspondent notices and statements. You use their responses, which almost always vary from what they've said to you in correspondence, statements, and notices, part of building the narrative for your defense. If you think you have evidence that there is no creditor in the chain of companies making a claim against you, you start stating your objections early and often and make sure it's backed up with data. There are specific things that you need to say. Remember that paperwork is not the transaction. The note is not the debt. The mortgage is not a loan. Nobody has any legal obligation to repay money they never received. So if you didn't get money from company X and company X is the payee on the note and the mortgagee on the mortgage, you don't have any underlying debt owed to that person because they never gave you any money. If they didn't receive it, If the homeowner doesn't receive it, there is no repayment, obviously. It's not a repayment. In a capitalist economy, no transaction legally occurs unless money or other legally recognized value changes hands. Without that, the paperwork is considered a legal nullity, and there are cases in every U.S. jurisdiction that say that, that unless the debt is purchased and sold, an assignment of mortgage is a legal nullity. If the mortgage, if the assignment of the mortgage is a legal nullity, it doesn't nullify the mortgage. It nullifies the assignment, which means that the party claiming under the assignment has no legal claim. Next, make a plan. I can tell you in advance that the answer to your questions about the status and ownership of the debt will never come. They can't admit that there is nobody who's claiming ownership of the debt on their books because of the legal requirements that I've already referenced here. That is where most homeowners and many lawyers falter. But the refusal to answer even a basic question about the condition precedent to even corresponding with the homeowner, much less enforcing collection, that refusal raises an inference that they don't own the debt from the homeowner, and they don't represent anyone who does. Next, after you've done all that, then decide about modification. Don't decide about modification up front. Do some work. Spend a little money. Understand your situation before you start making decisions. 
Then in litigation, if you're going to start litigation, come in with both barrels blazing. Good, solid pleadings, not rambling forever on conspiracy theories or assumptions. You need to plead ultimate facts upon which your defense would be granted or your claim. Good, solid discovery. Interrogatories that are well-drafted. Requests for production that are well-drafted. Requests for admission that are well-drafted. Subpoena for documents that are highly focused. Subpoena for deposition directed at the named claimant, not the servicer. But you may also want to subpoena the servicer. Good, solid enforcement of discovery. File a motion to compel and get the hearing and get the order compelling answers. File a memorandum of law supporting questions relating to existence of and current status of the debt and ownership of the debt. Those are relevant questions, and they cannot be denied. There's plenty of decisions that support that. Good, solid follow-up from there. File a motion for sanctions after you've gotten an order to compel, seeking to strike the pleadings or dismiss the foreclosure. Use mediation as a tool to show that that the claimant never showed up. As for sanctions, claimant has not shown up. If somebody, if some disembodied voice on the phone says that they work for a servicing company and you ask them, well, are you representing the interests of the named plaintiff or claimant in this case, U.S. Bank as trustee for the blah, 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 they'll simply repeat, I am an authorized representative of Aquin or whoever whoever it is. And if you ask the right questions, you can terminate the mediation and then file a motion for sanctions and go straight to court. Judges don't like when people violate mediation orders. Make it real for the judge. Unless the judge feels that he or she will be reversed, they will always rule for the party claiming to be a bank even though it isn't the bank making the claim. Appeals are long shots. Only about one in 15 appeals on foreclosure matters end up with some ruling that is favorable to the defending homeowner. Litigating just to put something on record is a fool's errand. Being right is not enough. You must convince the trial judge that the ruling must be for the homeowner. I can help you with all this, of course, but the you should start early instead of procrastinating in the hope that this will all go away. It won't. You can limit the expense and maximize the potential of a successful outcome with the help of local counsel who knows what to do inside a courtroom. The point that I'm making in this show is this. We are about to experience something very close, possibly exceeding what we experienced in 2008. 
tidal wave of foreclosures is going to be matched over the next, starting in the next three months or so. Possibly as long as six months, depending upon how long the extensions go. The longer it is, the more payments will pile up for most homeowners. And the more unable they will be, because they spent it on other things, the more unable they will be to bring it current when the demand comes and the moratorium is over. That means they will be in foreclosure, and it means if they're not prepared and they don't mount a credible defense, they will lose their home. So do something now and protect yourself. That's it for tonight. Good luck. We'll see you next The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.